Hey folks, Dr. Grossmar from Aspire Natural Health. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Today, let's talk about coffee. Yay, coffee, right? I guess depending on what you think of coffee, it's either a yay or a yuck. But the fact is, a lot of people drink coffee, and it is a controversial subject in the holistic medical sphere. You have some people saying coffee is a miracle drug. You have other people saying coffee is terrible. You may have heard if you have autoimmune disease, you should stay away from coffee. It could be a big problem for you. What is one to do? Today, I want to talk about caffeinated coffee, decaf coffee, and no-caf, quote-unquote, coffee. Of course, you can't see me doing the the finger uh, quotes, but they are there. So, coffee, right? We talk about coffee, and there are really two aspects we can talk about when talking about coffee. There is the, the all of the phytochemicals. Now, that's a fancy way. Phyto means plant, so plant chemicals, all the different chemicals and compounds that coffee makes. And science in general says that they are helpful. So many conditions, it's suggested that coffee intake is helpful for. So it is the, the real fact here that for a lot of people, Coffee is one of the quote-unquote most, or let me me put that quote somewhere else, is one of the most common quote-unquote vegetables uh, that they get in their diet. So remember, vegetables are good for us in a variety of ways, and part of it comes about from the phytochemicals or the plant compounds that are inside of them. And they're different based on the, the different plants that you're looking at, broccoli versus garlic versus onions versus spinach versus other Fruits and vegetables are all going to have some of the same plant compounds as well as different ones. Well, what do we know that the most people at large eating a standard American diet are eating very little in the way of vegetables. And so for many people, coffee is one of the prime sources of these phytochemicals. And in my opinion, that's why we're seeing a lot of the health benefits. If you already eat a lot of different vegetables and fruits in your diet, are you likely to get a big boost from adding coffee to your diet in terms of these plant-based chemicals? And I think the answer is no. So look, if you eat a healthy diet and you're wondering, gosh, I, I don't really like coffee or I've never drunk coffee, should I drink coffee? Do I need to drink coffee for my health? The answer is no, you don't need to. It is one source. So in general, coffee has been found to be beneficial. Now, The question came about, is coffee an issue in autoimmunity? And that came from one study that was done that showed that some people had reactivity to coffee. Now, what was later found out was that that study used an instant coffee, and that instant coffee was contaminated with gluten, and that kind of threw it all into doubt. My experience has been the vast majority of people with autoimmunity do not need to avoid coffee. Now, are there people that do need to avoid coffee? Yes, because there are people who can have basically any food or beverage short of absolutely plain water can cause a reaction for a person. It is possible. Now, some of these things are quite common and some of them are very uncommon. So is it possible that there are people out there, is it possible you who are dealing with digestive issues or autoimmunity could have problems with coffee? Yes, it is possible. Is it likely? No. In our experience, we have found the vast majority of people do not have problems with coffee. Now, the second part of coffee that everybody knows about, hopefully, is the caffeine in coffee. It is the most common 
uh, a brain-affecting drug in use out there, probably just shy of alcohol uh, for being so, so common. Now, the issue, caffeine is used as a pick-me-up, right? Many of us take it in the morning. Some of us take it in the afternoon and even into the evening to stay awake and alert. And it does absolutely do that. However, the problem with caffeine is the effect that it can have on people's sleep. So as you may have uh, know from previous podcasts, there is a great book out there called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker, PhD, a sleep scientist. He did a great job with it. If you're a little bit nerdy and into reading about REM and non-REM and getting a little bit into the details of sleep, I highly recommend the book. If that sounds like it's way over your head, probably not a great book to pick up. Overall, a fantastic book. And he talked about just how much caffeine can interfere with people's sleep. So there's two ways that it interferes with people's sleep. One is, frankly, the ability to get to sleep. I think all of us have had the experience of drinking too much caffeine too late into the evening and then being wired and having trouble getting to sleep. So that's fairly obvious for most of us. But a little bit more insidious here is the fact that it it can not only interfere with a person's ability to get to sleep, but once they are asleep, it can interfere with their ability to get a good and proper amount of sleep to go through the different cycles of sleep and get the really deep and restorative sleep that people need to feel good. So many people will tell us that they don't have any problems. No, no, I get to sleep just fine. Coffee doesn't impact me. And one of the things that we often recommend for people is doing a two to four week coffee avoidance. So an elimination, if you will, of coffee for two to four weeks. Now, again, for most people, they're not going to see this directly impacts their digestive issues or autoimmunity. But what many people do notice is that the quality of their sleep improves. Now, again, if you do this and you say, great, you know, I didn't notice a thing. I didn't have withdrawals from coffee. I didn't know I didn't have problems with my sleep or my energy levels. I didn't notice it impacted me in any way. Fantastic. The good news is then you know that coffee is not having any impact on your health, your well-being, the quality of your sleep, or anything else. You can go back to drinking coffee like you were before. Many people, however, do find improvements. They notice one thing, A, that their energy levels are definitely lower in the morning, and they are using coffee to mask an underlying fatigue, which calls for, if we really want to treat the root causes of it, actually getting to the root causes, right? Whether it's more sleep, getting more sleep, or managing our energy in a variety of different ways, understanding that we're just covering up that fatigue. The second thing is many people do find that the quality of their sleep improves. They thought their sleep was okay until they took the coffee out and then noticed the difference. Okay, so we often recommend a two to four week elimination of coffee to see what someone notices. Now, one option is to go to decaf coffee. But did you realize, and this was a new fact for me, I didn't realize this, uh, that decaffeinated coffee often contains as much as 30% of the caffeine of regular coffee. I mean, silly me, I thought the word decaffeinated meant that at worst, we were looking at what, like one to 5% of the caffeine of a cup of coffee. But no, there's still a fairly substantial amount of coffee in Decaf. Does this mean that it's decaf is useless? No, absolutely. But many people think they are cutting out the caffeine 
in their diet by drinking decaf coffee. And they're certainly reducing it, but not cutting it out entirely. So can decaffeinated coffee be a part of a person's routine? Well, sure. It is a way to have the, the ritual. We talk about coffee often supplies three different things for people. One is the pick-me-up of the caffeine. Two is enjoyment of the taste of coffee. And three is the ritual of making the cup of coffee. So decaffeinated coffee can supply, well, a bit of all of three of those. But the thing we're looking for is still supplying the taste of coffee for those who enjoy it and still supplying the ritual of coffee for those who enjoy it while reducing the stimulation or the caffeine that someone is getting. So we often recommend, look, if you're going to drink caffeine, Cutting it out, if you're going to drink caffeine in general, right, we're talking about coffee here, then we often recommend cutting it out by no later, no later than 2 p.m., ideally 1 p.m. or noon is a better choice for most people. Because on average, average, it's going to take the body about seven hours to clear much of that caffeine from a person's uh, body. So some people are fast metabolizers, they'll get rid of it faster. Some are slow and it will take even longer most people find if they cut off their caffeine around noon that they'll do okay, or it's a good time to switch to decaffeinated. Or the third option that's out there is the no-caffeine coffee substitute. So we'll put coffee in quotes here. Coffee substitutes often made with things like dandelion, chicory, or some other bitter plants. Now, does this taste exactly like coffee? No, it doesn't. For some people, it's a, it's a non-starter. That's not going to work for them. Many people, though, find the bitter taste works for them. It supplies the ritual that we talked about because a lot of these can be made in a similar way to a cup of coffee, and it gives us some of the similar taste. So often what we recommend, again, first is a two to four week avoidance of coffee to see if you notice any improvement in your digestion, in your autoimmunity, in your sleep, in your energy levels, in your mood. If you do, then you can recognize that eat the coffee, either the plant chemicals that are inside it or the caffeine is an issue for you. One way to reduce your caffeine intake is to switch to decaf or at least sometimes to switch to decaf or at least later in the day to switch to decaf. Another option, if again, because remember, decaf still can have up to 30% of the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee, is to switch to the no-caffeine alternatives. Uh, they go by a variety of different names out there, but if you search for caffeine-free coffee or you search for coffee substitute, you'll see some of these out there. You can check them out and give them a try. Again, whether it's completely using that or whether it is um, uh, switching to a coffee substitute later in the day. All of these can be ways that we can still have our ritual, still enjoy some of the bitter flavors, still get some of the beneficial plant compounds, but minimize the potential effects of caffeine. So to wrap this all up, for the majority of people out there, the problem with coffee is less the coffee the plant chemicals in the coffee, and for more people, it is the caffeine content. Some of us are obviously affected by the caffeine, and for a good number of us, we don't 
recognize the impact the caffeine is having on us until we get clear of it. So we recommend two weeks for the average person up to four weeks and substituting either some decaf into the mix or the no caffeine alt coffee substitutes or even switching to something like a tea. Although again, tea is going to have a small amount of caffeine. And if someone is, you know, drinking a lot of black tea, uh, they can still get a substantial amount of caffeine from it. So again, uh, experimenting to find out what works for you. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what one health expert, one book, one podcast, one blog says, or, or even other people who've had benefit uh, in dealing with the issue that you're dealing with. At the end of the day, it's finding out what works for you. All right, folks, that is it for me today. I hope you found it helpful on caffeine, coffee, caffeinated coffee, decaffeinated coffee, and quote-unquote coffee substitutes. All right, so listen, if you are looking for more great information, I'd like to invite you to go to the website, www.aspirenaturalhealth.com. Click on the button that says free reports. So it's aspirenaturalhealth.com. Click on the button that says free reports. There we've got a range of great free reports we've packed with fantastic information on things like irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, GERD and heartburn, autoimmunity, and even how to find the right holistic doctor. We know it's not always easy, so we put together a guide to help you find the right holistic doctor to help you. And all you need to do, go to the website, aspirenaturalhealth.com, and click on the button, free reports. All right, folks, that is it for me today. Until next time, take care.